Hello, listeners. If you don't know my voice by now, it's your host, Adam Breen. We are coming up on our one-year anniversary, and we thought it would be fun to do a Play It Again playback episode of our most popular, most listened-to episode. And guess what it is? It's episode number one by yours truly. Now, I'm going to assume that it's because y'all love me so much, but there's a really, really, really good chance it's because it's our longest and oldest episode. So if you haven't listened to it, give it a listen. If you have listened to it, play it back with us and look forward to our next episode when it hits our one-year anniversary. Thanks for the year of listening. We enjoyed you all very much. We look forward to many, 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 many more good conversations. We'd like to thank our sponsor, SLC Guitar, for another sweet guitar riff. Welcome to another episode of Build with Breen Homes, where we talk all things construction, business management, and just have a good old time behind the microphone. Today, we have Adam Breen of Breen Homes. Man, how long have we known each other? Too long, bro. (laughs) (laughs) It's only only dangerous if it goes forward. (laughs) Especially starting today, right? (laughs) This is so true. This is so true. It has been a minute. What, um, eight years? It's probably been seven, eight years. Yeah. I think I think I first got involved in some of the philanthropy work that we've done together in 2013. So if we go based off that math, this would be hitting what nine years? Yeah, that's about right. Jeez, it's been a great nine years. Mm-hmm. That's pretty obvious. Absolutely. But um, tell me a little bit about Adam Breen. Yeah, where do we start? Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I thought a, a little bit about some of the questions that might pop up here, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I oftentimes in our industry start, you know, me being in construction, start off with that I'm I'm from the the streets of Salt Lake City, Utah. Mean streets. The mean streets mean of Salt Lake City, streets, Utah, man. Salt it gets City. dark out there, yeah. right? You know, but it's a pun intended mainly because I've bootstrapped my career in the construction world from not having family in it, not being in much involved in it from a, a younger childhood, but really growing up, you know, in the 80s where we lived on the streets. And we oh, joke about whether it was on the streets or not. You know, right. yeah, we we were in a good community. Don't get me wrong. Right. But uh, growing up and having to figure out how to do life in a sense yourself, I had great parents, great family, but I grew up with friends. Man, we grew up on our bikes at elementary playgrounds, chasing from friend's house to friend's house, and that really instills in you somebody that can figure it out. Mm. So if there's two two kind of phrases I use to describe myself, it's I grew up in the streets of Salt Lake City, Utah, and I bootstrapped my career along the way. I like it. You know, so that's a good way to start of who am I, totally, right? Totally. Who have I become? Well, man, I, I'm I'm a creature of habit, lives in Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm a family man. I've got three young kids, you know, happy family at home. I'm an entrepreneur that chases change, disruption, somebody who wants to see the economy I live in, the community I live in grow. You know, and, and chases what I might define as my own success. I like that. I like that. So Leaves you, it vague for a long <laughs> discussion. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> so you started Breen Homes. When did you start Breen Homes? Let's see. I started Breen Homes June of 2011. Okay. Okay. So after when shit hit the fan, yeah, basically. Yeah, good time. Yeah, perfect time. <laughs> Perfect time. At the time, I was working for uh, another builder that did semi-custom slash production up in the northern Utah area, kind of northern Wasatch Front. And I had spent five years working for the company. 
And I told the the original owner when I came on that my goal was growth. It didn't necessarily matter if it was a financial growth, but I just wanted to grow in the industry, obviously in my finances as well. And that my really my main goal of being there for four years was to get my own license. And once I got there, my own general contracting license, once I got there, the idea was, where can I go? And if there's room within the company, I will stay. If there's not, it's time to move on. So literally at four years, went out, got went through the courses, got my license and decided it was time to uh, venture what my future looked like there or move on. Right. Met with the owner and said, what can we do? Let's let's start down this path. He came to me and said, Adam, I'm I'm really not sure, but why don't you why don't you shoot my direction? You tell me what you want to do. And uh, we spent, so we asked you to counter. Basically. Yeah, we like, yeah okay. we spent a year where I came back three different times with business plans. A year, a year. We went back and forth for a year, and at the time I was managing the majority of their custom construction, okay. doing the the largest projects the company had ever seen before. Wow! And really kind of knew my in what my talents were within within the company, and I, I really think it was his approach of saying. I don't know, but you tell me. I've been in this for, you know, the time he had been in it, 30, 40 years. He was working his way out. It was a family-run company, so I knew it was going to go that direction. So I think he was interested to see what I had. And at the time, let's be honest, I was a young, cocky kid, right? Thought I knew it all. Yeah, we all do, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he just said, you know, you shoot. So I started to give a few options. We spent a year, I think I threw out three different business plans. And I remember the day that he said, let's go grab lunch. Mm-hmm. Let's talk. It's been now a year. We've been going back and forth on this. And uh, we went to a sandwich shop, sat down, and it was pretty evident after 15, 20 minutes of discussion to me that I was a great position for him within the company. Right. But there wasn't a lot of room for change. Right. And I, I remember sitting there. You pretty much hit the ceiling. Yeah. You know, at the time, I was probably... God, if I if I had to guess, it was right around 28, maybe 29. Okay. And uh, I remember sitting there and kind of got that adrenaline feeling like, this is it. Right. My heart starts right. to beat a little bit. <laughs> right. Like, right. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it anyway. We're doing this one way and, or another. And yeah, I, I, I just said, now, yes, in the background, I had been moonlighting. Okay. I had started my own company. So this was March of 2012. So okay. I remember I had started in June of 2011. Yep. This was moonlighting, so to speak, where I was going home at night, working an additional five, six, seven, eight hours. So I had some confidence going in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, some courage going into like I knew what I could get into. Right. So I sat down with him and, and just said, after our conversation for about 15, 20 minutes, I said, listen, ultimately you just wish I'd stop, put the straps back on my back and keep pulling. Right. Right. And he said, Adam, man, I got to be honest. Yes. <laughs> You're wonderful at your job, mm-hmm. but yes, I wish you would. And we kind of have this moment of silence where it was like, this is it. Right. So I, I kind of put on my big boy pants and said, you know what? That's the very reason you're losing me. Today's my two week notice. Right there and there. Yep, right then and there. And I had no intention of doing it at the time. Right. Truly I didn't, but I had started a spec home in June of 2011. Okay. We were now hitting March. We were just about wrapped up. Mm-hmm. The market was still down, but we had confidence that it was starting to come back. You know, and uh, our conversation continued where he said, that's really unfortunate, but I understand. I think it's the best for you. At the time, I didn't recognize the value of what that was, and I'll come back to it. But um, as we left away, uh, he just said, I think you're a little crazy to do it now. It's a little too soon. You know, and at the time, he he was probably right. I mean, there's a lot of unknown on there. But long story short, left the company full bore into my own, completely bootstrapped, 
I was working out of my own house. Yeah. I was my sole employee, finished the home, sold it, had some success, Right. had some financial backing helping me along the way, but moved on to a couple more. And again, we were in the time of 2011 where land was still cheap. Right. You know, I had bought Very a lot cheap. that I built yeah. a spec home on for $50,000 on great. <laughs> I wish I had put another right one. Now. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I had put another one in contract or under contract in Conwood Heights for another fifty thousand dollars. So I was like, man, it's I'm able to pickpocket right. these little infill pieces. Right. Take my art from what I know I know I can do and build something. This is awesome. Fast forward, I said it was going to come back to the the confidence he was instilling in me when he said, "Listen, I I don't think this is the right time, but you do know what you're doing. Go for it, so to speak." I think that good employers realize that they are there to train and educate and grow people. Absolutely. And and I'm not trying to kind of sway away from who I am or what my company direction is, but ultimately I have to respect that at the time, the owner of that company was saying, you've now grown yourself to a point to where you can do it on your own. Right. And I'm proud of you for that. Right. Get out of here, go for it. You know, and I, I've always taken that same approach with my employees who I, I hate to call employees. I'd almost call them partners in what I do. Yeah. I would be ecstatic if one of them came to me and said, Adam, go for it. I'm out. Yep, I'm out. I got to do this. You know, I, yeah. I'm out of here. I'm going to go do it on my own. I have the confidence that I can do it. At least I feel like I trained that person in the right way. Absolutely. And I grew that person into the individual they were, helped grow them into that. Mm-hmm. And they can go do it on their own. Right. You know, and I, I think at the time, I didn't realize it as a younger, cocky kid. Yeah. But my employer at the time was saying, Adam, you've outgrown us. You can do this. Go for it. Now's not a great time. But if, you, if you've if you got the confidence, that's 50% of the problem. Go for it. Go out there and make you it know? happen. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, again, I kind of going back, I started in 2011, really got my kick March of 2012. Okay. So, I'm back up a little bit. And I something you said kind of sparked something in me. And, and you're right about employers. You know, you you want to give them all the tools you possibly can and hope that they go off and, and do their own thing. As a creator, I guess you could say, but um, you're a creator too. Contractor. Sure, sure. You know, homes are your art. You know, I'm assuming you take some pride just like I would and you're driving down the street and you're like, oh, I built that house and man, I built that one over there too. I would think it'd be the same way with individual employees too. Totally. You know, oh, well, so-and-so built that house and man, but they worked with me for like three years and yeah, that I'll take a little bit of that. Yeah. I'll take a little bit of pride <laughs> in that. Yeah. I, I think, I think that comes to your relationships, right? It's funny you bring up the, I'm proud of what I've done. You right. know, you, you create that content and that's one of the, probably the coolest things that I've always respected getting into construction and creating is you know, driving around on the weekends, whether it be with friends, family, kids, and saying, I did that. And a house, man, once you put a house on a piece of land, it's going to stand for 100, 200 years. Absolutely. I right. mean, I still go by places where kids, where friends will say my grandpa built that. My grandpa owned that. Yeah. I mean, two, three, four generations later, their kids, their grandkids are still taking pride in what grandpa did. That's legacy. You know, stuff. it is. So yeah. it's really fun to be able to say, I built that especially when you get into unique custom. And I would say that's probably the undertone of what we do when we say we're proud of what we do. It's not easy, but to say I built that. And so I I come back to where you say an employee, I've never kind of looked at it the way of I built that, Mm -hmm. you know, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But over the past, you know, 11 years of my career being on my own, 
I've fallen back to so many of those relationships right. where it was either I either fostered a growth in that individual right. or had a relationship with that individual that it's fun to see how they've moved from a coworker, an employee, whatever it might be, a friend right. into these career paths. And now you have these relationships you can fall back on. Oh, and sure. I think that's where you and I have kind of found this like unique <laughs> friendship is we're all about that relationship. Absolutely. And I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a relationship, not for, not for my own beneficial gain. It's not like a, Hey buddy, I need something. Yeah. Call up a homie that, yeah. you know, works for a city. Can you get this through? Right. It's never that, but it's amazing at how quickly those friendships, those relationships foster into just connections, mm -hmm. growth, making you feel good that you're making a positive impact. Totally. Walking into a room and seeing a face at a big conference and be like, cool, bro, we're in the same industry. Why, why haven't we connected? Absolutely. You know, and you and I have talked a little bit about this of at what point can you put a value on those? You can't. Ever. You can't. Mm -hmm. But man, it sure makes what I do every day fun. All day. All day. Well said. Well said. I totally understand that. Yeah. I know the first, man, when, wasn't the first time we met. It was, you know, probably a couple weeks later or so. And I remember thinking like, man, Adam, whew, can't read that guy. I just cannot read him. Is is it me? Is it, am I abrasive? Like, is it, am I coming off a little harsh? Because I, I'm getting, I'm getting a different vibe back here. But I tell you that the first time we did a project together on, with the uh, Salt Lake Home Builder Association, I was like, this dude gets it. He totally gets it. He's blunt sometimes, mm -hmm. but honest. And there's a huge difference between being blunt and just a pain in the butt about things. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what project was that? I feel like it was the one of the wheelchair accessible deals. Okay. So one of one of the community service events. Yeah. That did. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's funny you bring that up. Most people that know me know I'm a teddy bear. I would assume they probably think the same about you, right? Uh, I, would, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll admit it. I cry here and there. Not more that I have more now that I have kids, but not gotcha. very often. Right. Yeah. I come off. I would say I've always come off as confident, cocky. Uh, you know, right. abrasive. Right. I think there's multiple things to attribute to that. I recently gave a speech on humility mm. and I, I laughed because I, I hated the topic idea. I was like, man, this is the worst topic. Yeah. I, I am not a humble person. <laughs> and I, <laughs> let's be honest, you know, <laughs> and I thought, man, what I was walking with my wife one morning, we were walking the dog and I said, I, I don't know what to say. And she goes, well, that, that's easy. Just talk about being humble with yourself and humble with others. That's, yeah. that's a pretty simple topic. And I went, yeah, but I don't believe in the concept of not thinking I'm better than other individuals. Let's okay. be blunt. Right. And I don't want to teach my kids to like right. downgrade who they are. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, as I came to a conclusion, I, I remember as I got up to talk, one of the first things I said is I still don't know what I want to say. I'm standing up here. I've got 30 minutes and I still don't know what I want to say, That's but let fair. me get two things off the table. Yeah. Being humble with your, with others is easy. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? We're all on different paths. Right. We all have different education levels. Right. You know more about things than I know. And vice it's versa. not that hard. Right. Truly. It's common respect. Mm -hmm. Being humble with a divine intervention, a God, that's pretty simple. I'm a human. I right. mean, come on. Right. My life can be taken like that. Right. Got it. Yes. <laughs> um, 
humility within myself. This is where I started to struggle. I was like, I'm going to stand up here. I'm going to debate with myself mm -hmm. and y'all get to listen to this right. joy. Right? right. And, uh, where I came out at the end was there is nothing wrong with walking into a room and thinking you're the best. There is truly nothing wrong. That's the competitive spirit. Okay. That's how you find the American dream in my opinion. Okay. So put, put that rose on your nose, put that cap on, right? It's how you expect others to treat you mm. that comes into the humility of yourself. Mm. And if you expect others to lift you up and, and bow down to you and carry you on their shoulder, you're demanding a respect that you don't deserve. If okay. you take others to just treat you as an individual, a mm -hmm. human being, mm -hmm. you know, realize that they've got better smarts or better education in certain areas than you do, you may have more in other areas. Those individuals are going to start to look to you as a leader and you're going to be allowed into these leadership positions that people respect who you are and want to see you on top and will support you on top. And so to me, the takeaway of humility, and I'm probably kind of going down this whole sidetrack, oh, well, I got you. but the takeaway of humility was how you command or how you get respect from others okay. is being humble and humility. The humble part of humility is having others respect you, not out of expectation, right. but out of the leadership role that you take. The minute you expect somebody to, to respect you, right. You've lost all of your ability to lead those individuals. So you're saying more, more on the, how you treat others, how you act towards others. Yeah. If I walk into a room and I'm being pompous to you yeah, and I'm, I'm too cool to walk over and introduce myself to you. Mm -hmm. I'm too cool to sit at your table because I should be at the head table. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Suddenly I've got this persona, this air about me. Right. If I walk in and I go, listen, it doesn't matter what title I have, how I carry myself, what I'm wearing, what I look yeah, like. Yeah. I can walk over to any individual in the room and say, Hey, who are you? Nice to meet you. Right. I put ourselves on a level of respect. I can walk to any table in that room and sit down at any chair and start a conversation. I put myself on that same level of respect. Hmm. You know, and so I think that air, as we go back to who I am, maybe I'm hard to read. Hmm. I think it's because I do come off. I am confident when I walk into a room. I am cocky. Hmm. I don't have a low sense of humility. Let's maybe put it or whatever you want to, you know, however you want to understand mm -hmm. the humble aspect of an individual. But I also think the more you get to know me, the more you go, that's just who he is. He's right. not wearing a facade. He, he's not putting on this. He actually is a hundred percent, a hundred percent, you know, and yeah. he does actually care. Yes. And he'll speak yes. up when he has the ability. I'm talking yep. about third person. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> but no, I think that, I think where I've encouraged, you know, I mean, I, I started sitting in leadership roles at a young age. Why? I think because I'm not afraid of that disruption. Yeah, for I've sure. I've been willing to speak my mind. And for I learned, sure. you and I have both been involved in the Salt Lake Home Builders Association. Correct. When I first got put on the board, I remember walking into the boardroom and it was big names, mm -hmm. big names in my industry. The builders that were building five, six, seven, eight hundred homes a year. Mm -hmm. The individual custom home builder that, you know, in my mind was making millions a year, yep. building cool houses. Yep. yep. And I was just this young punk kid, right? But I walked in and I started listening to the things they were saying. And I thought, man, I'm from the streets, man. I'm right. bootstrapped my career. Right. I actually know this process, whether mm -hmm. it's getting a permit, meeting with a client, digging on the land. Mm -hmm. I know because I've walked that path. All day. And so I started raising my hand and saying, well, no, actually, sorry, I don't mean any disrespect, but you're wrong. You've got an employee that does that for you. And I do it every day. So I know more. Right. And I realized that not being from the cocky end, but I understood and 
I wasn't afraid to speak up, that I started to land in these leadership roles. I was a young, younger individual coming in to say, put him in a leadership role. He's really up and coming. Mm-hmm. And so I go back to kind of, again, the who am I? I like this disruption. And this is where I attribute a uniqueness to my individual personality. So I was telling you earlier in our conversation before this podcast that I'm somebody that likes kind of routine. Yeah. I am, man. I, gotcha. Let's be honest. I get up at the same time most every single day. Yeah. I take my same routine of, you know, how I get ready, mm-hmm. go to the gym, mm-hmm. come home. You could probably time me within a, a couple minutes every single day of when my car leaves the house. Right. When it comes back, when I'm at the gym, what I eat, when I brush my teeth. Yeah. It's kind of obnoxious, <laughs> <laughs> but it works, but it works really good for me. So here's, what's crazy. I love that routine. And I oftentimes don't want to mess up that routine, but I actually really like disruption and change. Right. So it's a very divided split. Yeah. And this might give you a kind of a, a sense into my career path of what I like about the home building industry. I want to see the disruption and change in my industry. Now don't take that as a, a sense of what it does to individuals. I hate that disruption and change hurts individuals. It always does. Right. But it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Our, our economy, our communities, they're going to change. They have to grow. And you're talking positive disruption. Yes, positive. And even yeah. negative disruption, truly. And that's where I say don't don't mistake for what's the bad and negative disruption. Right. A storm comes through and trashes a community. Hmm. That's yeah. very sad. Yeah. I got to be honest, I kind of like it. And the reason I like it is it allows us to see from a different perspective the ability for change and growth. Mm-hmm. And nine yeah. times out of 10, yeah. we come out stronger as individuals, better as individuals. We rebuild a community. Right. And so as an individual myself, yeah, you're right. I do like my routine. I hate it when somebody disrupts my routine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get so annoyed when on like, let's just say a Friday, somebody takes my lunch hour for a meeting. Yep. I want my 45-minute lunch hour. I don't like disrupting that. No, I don't get it. But... If you can take the concept of how much disruption and change allows into the communities and what better it makes of individuals, I love the idea of what it creates. So this is where my personality starts to you know conflict with itself. Mm-hmm. I want my routine, mm-hmm. but outside of my own routine, I want to see disruption and change right. for the better of our society and our individuals. See, that's that's one of the things that I I quickly realized about you is you're I don't want to say you come off abrasive, but you come off like genuine but in a very straight genuine way very you know i'm not going to kid glove this i'm not going to tell you what you kind of want to hear and then just blindside you you say what you feel and then you back it up with facts knowledge like this is this is why i feel this way don't take me wrong which you don't say that which is the beautiful thing about it it's more of the, well, this is how I feel about it. Let me let me explain why I come to this conclusion. Yeah, which is rare, very very rare. I hear you. That that's where going back to the a leadership role, you you start to get respect, not command respect. Totally. One of my best elementary friends became a best friend after we threw punches at each other. Nice. Right? Yeah. And it, it's funny, but that that goes back to say. Listen, let's not sugarcoat it. Right. If we got a problem, let's punch it out. Let's let's duke it out. Let's figure it out. Then let's move on. Right. And it's the same thing in, in our industry. You know, if, if we disagree, let's put all the facts on the table. Let's let's find where I think I'm I think I'm right nine times out of ten. Right. Until I'm proven wrong. And then I'm perfectly fine with being proven wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, the same thing goes to to how our industry works. If we need to throw punches and move, let's throw those punches. Let's get over it. Let's get it done. Let's just move beyond it. You know, so a lot of the philanthropy work that we've done has said we can disagree, 
Mm-hmm. But let's get to that point of disagreement and then let's go the common best way for the industry that we're working in or the association we're working in for sure. or the business and let's move on. And I think that's what you get with me as you say, listen, if, if you're willing to pick a fight, mm-hmm. know that you have the evidence to back it up. Exactly. I don't care if it, schoolyard bull crap, let's take it back to if you're willing to pick a fight, you better be ready to throw some blows, right? Exactly right. So if I'm going to walk in there and be abrasive, mm-hmm. I better have some facts straight all day. It, it doesn't help me to just say because I feel, feel like this it. Way. <laughs> exactly. And now we got emotional. Let's take right. emotion out. Right. In fact, my my wife often jokes with me of like, the minute we get in an argument, I go straight business mode. She calls right. it because I'm like straight to the and trust me, right. it's not good on right. a relationship. Right. But I go straight to facts. Yeah. I don't typically get emotional. I don't raise my voice. I don't typically yell. Yeah. I go into what are the facts right. and how do we move beyond it. Mm-hmm. It's not great for a relationship. Yeah, it's I, great. I, I can understand that. I can understand that for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, for a, for a long time, I was kind of our go-to for the Salt Lake Humboldt Association parade of homes that we put on. Yeah. And I became that way simply because I paid attention to the facts. I paid attention to the numbers, the spreadsheets, right. what we were doing that was successful and what we were doing that was not successful. Mm-hmm. And so we would sit in board meetings outside of the parade of homes committee meetings yep. and people individuals would throw out that we should try this and what about that and maybe we should sell tickets for cheaper and maybe we should have our parade open longer and maybe we should be open on sundays and i sit there and i go and not to be abrasive everybody <laughs> right i'm gonna raise my hand and say hold on based off facts right years past numbers spreadsheets mm-hmm. how much we gained one year you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'm not afraid to say that because I know right. I'm actually doing a disservice to everybody if I don't. If you don't say anything. Right. So I guess that gives you a little bit of a look into, yeah, I, I do come off as abrasive, but those that have turned to respect me have done so through just seeing me that I am me. Totally. And I do wear my heart on my sleeve. Yeah. You know? And I think that's, I don't think, I know that that's one of the reasons why you're one of the top builders in this valley. Like, I've... I don't know what five five clients that we've shared. I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Talk to them about you, and it, they all pretty much start the same. Like, man, whew, yeah, you're going into meetings, and you you know you're tense, and not you, but sure. the meetings are tense in general. But after a few meetings, they come to respect the fact that you're bringing facts. You were hired to do a job, to do it the best way possible, and to inform them that. If you go this route, this is what happens. If you go this route, this is what happens. Let's make a decision and then let's move forward with it. Every single one of those clients were like, man, this is this is amazing. Like it helps. It's a little stressful. Just building a home is stressful anyways. But if you look at it in the aspect of do I want a contractor just telling me what I want to hear? And then next thing I know, the budget is completely blown. And oh, now the schedule's just completely messed up compared to a contractor that has just given you the facts, giving you the information that you need to make a decision, and then maybe not pushing, but advising, hey, if you don't make a decision by this time, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. They said, well, well, we'll take Adam all day, yeah. all day. I, I appreciate hearing that. You know, let, let's be honest, over the past 11 years, I typically work with if we combine new construction custom homes into addition remodels that we do, I probably work with 10 clients a year. Mm-hmm. So if we talk, you know, 10 years, 100 clients, trust me, I've had my clients that we didn't see eye to eye. 
And I'll be the for first sure. to admit it. For sure. Yeah. Um, in fact, the first time I got a negative review put on Google mm-hmm. you know, or, or somewhere on a, a Google search that you could see, I talked to a good friend and, and said, you guys build thousands of homes. What, what do you do? I know you have these. What do you do? And he said, Adam, honestly, we leave them on because people need to know that we are human. We are trying to run a successful business, but not every home works out perfect. And sometimes you can use those to your advantage. And I thought, man, that's that's really odd because I feel like that's the first turnoff a client's going to do when they go search for me on social media. Right. So I decided, you know what, it's not worth the fight. Leave them on. I put some professional responses to what I felt like for I, sure. I could on there. Right. But I, I bring those up because it gives me an opportunity when I sit down with a client to say, you know, absolutely, we've had our wins, we've had our losses. Mm-hmm. What have I learned from that? Because I am honestly always progressing and learning just like anybody else. And so if I can sit down with a client and say, what have I learned from those negative experiences? Negative on my end or negative on a client's end? I've learned two things that you have to have with your contractor, period. You have to be able to trust your contractor. You're going to hand your contractor hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to build a pretty picture that you've seen an architect draw. And number two, you've got to be able to communicate with that contractor. You're going to go through at least a year if not more, two or three years of ups and downs. Let's be honest, in your relationship at home with your wife and kids, how many times a year are you on cloud nine versus at the bottom, you're you're ready to lose your mind? Right. Multiple times, right? Absolutely. And suddenly you're going to allow me into your home, into your relationship, into your finances, Mm -hmm. into every aspect that you hold near and dear. You've got to be able to trust and communicate with me. And if you can't call me on a Saturday and say, Adam, I am so pissed off. You guys did this wrong. You spent my money mm-hmm. and we can't get over that conversation. You're going to bottle it up. Right. And then in six months, a year, finally lose it right. and go nuclear. Right. I don't want to work with you. Yeah. And so I think as I've moved kind of down my career path and I've learned with clients that that's what I care about. Mm-hmm. A lot of this goes by the wayside. Right. So, yeah, we care about building a quality home. We care about taking the vision that my clients and their architect have designed and we care about bringing it to real life in a good quality. Absolutely. But to be honest, there's a lot of builders that can do that and can do it really good. And most of us contractors work with the same suppliers, the same subcontractors. I mean, we're all working out of the same pool in Salt Lake City, Utah, right? you know, or the outskirts, but close. If you take, let's take uh, finished carpenters, there's probably only 50 across the Salt Lake Valley, maybe a little more than that. But we're all working with the same guys that stemmed off from the same company and have the same relationships. Right, right. So it's not necessarily about is that quality better, is his quality better than my quality. Mm -hmm. It's about how you manage the work that's getting done and communicate that with your clients. Exactly. And if you can communicate with them right along the way, ups and downs, what their money's spending. Let's be honest, you're spending their money. Right. They need to know what's going on with it. So if you can communicate that process along the way and set those expectations, hopefully it ends with happy clients. We know we're going to have issues. We know we're going to have warranty. It's construction. We know we're going to have rain, snow, sunshine, whatever it is. Right. But if we can communicate those along the way and set those expectations, you get a happier client. And I often say for a client, no surprise is a good surprise. We don't want to deal with surprises. Mm -hmm. If you get to the end and you saved a client $100,000, do you think they're going to be happy if they didn't know about it? Right. No. Mm -hmm. Because to be frank... If they held back on, let's say, their appliance package because they were afraid they were going to overspend their budget, and then you came back in and said, hey, you underspent, they go, we would have put in the automated blinds. 
we would have put in the wolf and sub zero. Yeah. Yep. So to me, they've got to know what they're spending along the way. For you know, sure. and I think that that really helps a client in the end be successful and happy. And again, just being blunt with them, man, any conversation is so much easier if you have it as soon as that happens, then let it drag on. And I, I've been, matter of fact, I recently had to sit down with a client that we we turned in for permit, ran into a, an ordinance or a code change that we weren't aware of that forced us to really, not completely redesign, but redesign an aspect of the house that had kind of a major change. Yeah. And I went in with the approach of let's get it done first and then take it back to the client. We spent about two and a half, three weeks getting it done. As I took it back to the client, they said, Adam, we really appreciate everything you've done. Mm-hmm. We're not mad. We're super happy. We love the outcome. However, we were kind of lost for three weeks. We didn't really know what was going on. Right. We wish you would have just told us. And this was just a few months ago. Huh. So the reality is I'm not always perfect, but what did I take away from it? Don't drag it out. Right. The minute you know something's going on, your client has the right to know about it. Let just them know. Put it on the table. Even if you don't know the answer, right. let them know. Right. You know, so I think that's a big part. For sure. For sure. All right, my man. We are going to cut here, but uh, we are we got plans for a lot of great conversations. I thought this went really well. Yeah. How do you feel? You know, I, I love it, and I think we keep it going. I mean, you know, you and I talked about uh, as, as these conversations come up, what, what path do we take down? Right. I love it. And, I, you know, you've learned a lot about me today. Absolutely. I think we need to get you interjecting more in on you, too. <laughs> because well, you're, you're a box that we are going to You're unfold. doing so well. So well. I like pulling the questions so, out. So today we, we get a little bit of Adam Breen. I think over the next few episodes we'll get a little bit more of Brandon Hicks and what he's from, too. Ooh, you know, okay. I, I know we we'll can dive deep. <laughs> I will. Uh, let me make sure I got this mute button. Listen, I got go one rule before then. you mute it. You can't cry on me. <laughs> I'm just like you, man. A little bit of a crier sometimes. I'm only going to cry when you bring my kids into the room. All right. Other than that, I ain't going to cry. Anybody, family, (laughs) something going on. It's waterworks. Yeah. Okay. We got it. (laughs) All right, man. Well, Adam, I appreciate you and uh, look forward to other conversations, man. Thanks, brother. Mm